Hola amigos, I'm Ilsian and I am part of the pastoral team at Evergreen. Today, I get to talk to you about the final installment of Do a 180. So are you ready to do a UE with me? I hope so. Well, when I was in elementary school, I had to memorize several poems for my English class. And today, I want to share one of those poems with you. I still have it memorized. Okay, here it goes. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I shall die before I wake, I pray the Lord my toys will break so none of the other kids can use them. Amen. And that's a poem by Shel Silverstein. Now that prayer or poem reveals so much about this child's heart. I only chose it because I thought it was funny and I wanted to make my classmates laugh because I didn't really have toys, many toys back then. Well, maybe a few Barbies. But my hope today is that as we look at scripture, our hearts too would be revealed. So let me ask you a question. What kind of G do you want to be? Okay, so one G is driven by fear. The other is driven by love. One G sees the finite, the earthly, the temporal. The other sees the infinite and the eternal. One is about self. The other is about relationship. One believes that there isn't enough. The other believes that God can provide. One causes sorrow, the other brings about joy. One looks to compete with the world, the other one to serve the world. And one enslaves us and the other brings freedom. I'm sure you've guessed it. The G's that I'm talking about are greed and generosity. And as much as you and I want to be the generosity kind of G that is driven by love, sees the eternal, and is about relationship and looks to serve the world, we have to be honest about where we are and allow God to search our hearts. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Because the reality is that greed, it's deceptive. It's sneaky. And that is why Jesus warns us in Luke 12, 15, be on guard against all kind of greed. In other words, if we're not looking out for it, if we are not watchful, it might just find a place in our hearts. When Carlos and I moved to Hillsborough and we were looking for an apartment, one of the important things for me was storage and closets. Is there enough space for my stuff? Is there enough space for my shoes? And the reality is I still don't have enough space for my shoes. If I'm honest, the truth is I'm a bit greedy when it comes to shoes. I can never have enough. I always want more and more. Can anyone relate? Well, the thing about generosity and greed is that they are alike in one thing. They are not a financial issue, but they are a heart issue. So let me ask you another question. Is your heart driven by eternity? Because it is possible to have a saved soul, but a wasted life, Levi Lusko says. And that is why today, 
the invitation for us, for you, is to do a 180, to repent. In other words, that there would be a change in direction, a change in our thinking, a change in our mind, generosity instead of greed. Now, before you shut me out, because you think this talk is about money, I want to assure you it's a talk about so much more. So don't say bye yet. It's about eternity. It's about your heart, my heart. It's about Jesus and his invitation for us. So let's talk about a story found in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 35. This parable or story Jesus shares is a representation of what Jesus did for us, but also what he is inviting us to do. So as we look, as we look at it, I want to focus on the extravagant generosity displayed in this story which by the way, is an evergreen value, extravagant generosity. We give time, talent, and treasure here, near, and far. So let's read verses 30 to 32. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And then a temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. What stands out for me in these verses is that generosity does not avoid or ignore. Greed does. The actions taken by the priest and the temple assistant reveal a bit about their heart. They both ignored and avoided him and passed this man by. And the question I ask myself is why, right? Was it because they had tradition to uphold rituals to follow, what did it mean for them to stop, touch, and help this half-dead man? What would they have to sacrifice, give up? What would it cost them? Maybe they had a title to uphold or a religious obligation to fulfill or cultural expectations to keep. Maybe it was because they would be rendered impure and would have to go through a purification process, costing them time. So here is a marker for us, for you. When I find it difficult to give my time to a need, that's an indicator that there might be greed. Now, let me repeat that. When I find it difficult to give my time to a need, that's an indicator that there might be greed. So let's continue the story in verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. See, this shows me that generosity sees, responds, and takes risk. Generosity doesn't just see, but it responds and takes risk. So despite the cultural limitations, the cultural expectations, and the cultural divide, the Samaritan did not let fear drive. 
He allowed love to bridge the cultural divide. We see it in the description, a despised Samaritan. See, the Jewish people looked down on Samaritans. They considered them half-breeds, yet because his heart was moved with compassion, he responds. Willard states that generosity comes from within, out of the overflow of our heart. So it is evident that in this Samaritan's heart was generosity. Another marker, what do empty canned good say aisles and empty TP shelves say about the G in our hearts? Nothing like a pandemic to reveal what's really in our hearts, right? For the priest and the temple assistant, it was a naked, beat up, half dead man that revealed their heart. And it was the same thing for the Samaritan. For me and you in this season, maybe it's the reality of COVID-19. Let's continue in verse 34a. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. This tells me that generosity gives time and talent. This Samaritan soothed his wounds. He knew what to do with wounds. He used his talent, his oil, his wine, and bandages. He used his resources. He used what he had. He was not selfish with his oil and his wine or bandages, even though he was on a trip and might need them. You know, so my question to you is, how do I view my stuff? How do you view your stuff? How do you view your money? How do I view my money? Are they mine or are they God's? Because greed is when I keep it for myself and don't think to give it to the kingdom or to the needs of others. So if we are going to be the generosity kind of G, then how we view and use our stuff has to change. Let's continue in verse 34b. It says, then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Generosity gives up comfort. Generosity goes the way with people on their way to restoration. Generosity creates room. It provides the space needed so care can be given. This is what you and I get to be a part of when we are generous with our time, talent, and treasure. We believe as the church, we are the ones that can give to that in so that space can be made to take in the broken and the hurt, those that have been stripped of their identity, those that have been beat up by divorce, by fatherlessness, by abuse, by loss, by COVID-19, we get to make room and see people restored to Zoe life, abundant life. You know, I'm so grateful that when I was left stripped of my identity, when my soul was beat up by abuse and sexual immorality, that there was a girl named Bonnie who volunteered as a small group leader who was willing to go the way with me to help me find and follow Jesus. She became part of my journey 
to healing and freedom. And our mission as a church evergreen is to help people find and follow Jesus here, near and far. Our cause isn't quarantine. So who are you discipling? Who are you investing in? Who are you journeying with? This man used his donkey for the benefit of someone's need. Who is benefiting from your donkey? Oh, right. We don't use donkeys for transportation anymore, but you know what I mean. All right. Verse 35 says the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If this bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And this shows me that generosity makes an investment. It gives money. Generosity covers the bills well into the future, right? Because we read it. It says, if it's more, I'll pay you in the future. Like, I'll pay you when I come back. Generosity makes a commitment to faithfully provide. Generosity is committed to a cost. And I want to take a moment to say thank you to those that generously gave to precariously housed grads. Thank you for helping us feed families in Uganda. Thank you for investing your time and serving the food bank. Because the greatest, let me tell you, the greatest investment we could ever make is in people. Souls are the true riches. They are eternal. And God made this investment by providing the greatest example of generosity. Most likely, you've heard this verse before, but perhaps for someone, this is the first time you hear it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. God loves you. Generosity is about relationship. And that, that is what God desires with you, relationship. Maybe you're listening to me and you've never experienced a relationship with God. Jesus, the son of God, he gave up his life on the cross so that you would have eternal life and no relationship with God. Not religion, relationship. So if that is you today, you can say yes to a relationship with Jesus. I'd like to invite you to text ECC4CONNECT to 94090. We would love to help you journey with Jesus. Now, for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, to follow Jesus means to live a generous lifestyle. Andy Stanley says, giving is the way God chooses to change our lives. So if you identified some of the greed markers in your life, there is something you can do now. You can start giving. Give consistently, plan to be generous with your time, talent, and treasure. The first thing my husband and I do after we get our paychecks 
as we give a percentage of it to the kingdom and we challenge ourselves to increase that percentage every year, not because we're so generous, but because we know that our heart is so susceptible to greed. And the first thing we do when we plan our week is we make time for people. So what kind of G do you want to be? Proverbs eleven twenty four reminds us, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. As we sing this next song that talks about God's generous love for us, I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Let's worship. 